Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. just say as a southern baptist wow. i grew up reading the bible maybe a backslidden baptist but i still know the bible jesus never once talked about abortion never once and it was happening back in ancient times it was happening during his time never once mentioned it and for people perverting the gospel of jesus christ down to one issue it's heresy Go, if you don't believe me, if that makes you angry, why don't you do something you haven't done in a long time? Open the Bible, open the New Testament, read the red letters, you won't see it there. And yet there are people who are using Jesus as a shield to make 10-year-old rape girls go through a living and breathing hell here on earth. They've also conveniently overlooked the parts of the New Testament, where Jesus talks about taking care of the needy, taking care of those who are helpless, who live a hopeless life, because they believe, these state legislators believe, that life begins at fertilization and ends at childbirth. And Caddy, what a powerful message yesterday from a sub- Today, the business of our work is for the council to report on the work that has occurred since our last meeting across these areas. We will today also discuss the work yet ahead, the work we must still do to continue to move forward.
For every Trump controversy, there seems to be a black woman that this administration wants to take down publicly, dehumanize, and really just try to destroy. And it's incredibly dangerous, troubling, and disgusting. You have April Ryan, you have Susan Rice, you have Jamel Hill, you have Maxine Waters, and now Frederica Wilson. This is what this administration continues to do because they're so afraid by powerful black women. And so that is how they cover up their controversy, is by finding one that they can take down. But here's the thing, when it comes to Gold Star Family, that's not new either. Look what he did when, when he launched his campaign back in the summer of, of 2015. He went after John McCain. It questioned his military service. He went after the Khan family right after he received the Republican nomination. It doesn't stop with him. And the irony of this, too, is the person who is his chief of staff, General John Kelly, when he was a general a year ago back in July of 2016 he attacked him and said he it said that the his his fight against Isis was bad his record on fighting Isis was bad but here's the thing this is an administration that has proven to be Donald Trump and his White House staff that they cannot complete a full sentence without lying this is what they continue to do and not only that you have his his aides John Kelly and Sarah Huckabee Sanders that come out behind the podium that's supposed to be sacred. I worked in the White House. That is supposed to be incredibly sacred. And you are working, they are working for the people, not just the president, but the people of this country. And all they do is give more lies to, to Donald Trump's lies. And then when they're caught in lying, they double down on those lies. Yeah. And we also have to make sure that men are held accountable. I think the interesting thing that we're seeing right now with the Harvey Weinstein story is that there are tangible results for what he's done, which we ha we don't normally see. And I mean, just almost a year ago, we elected Donald Trump, who we know is a sexual assaulter, and people still believed him and elected him. And the thing that is even crazier than that is that he now sits behind the resolute desk in the Oval Office, essentially defecating on women, signing executive orders, taking away rights. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 11th of September, year of our Lord, 2022. September 11th. And if you look today at the many sources, you do not see this or hear it. Twitter's trending that George Bush did it. Cheney did it. And nobody's talking about September 11th. And I'm not going to do a show about it because we all know it. But... I think if you had loved ones or you personally went to war or were in the towers, it affected your life. But most of the media and everybody else didn't affect it. It became a political ploy for the Democrats, which is always what they do, which is what they're doing right now. You hear her mumbling. You hear this piece of crap press secretary talking about Trump and elections and they can't even give deference to the queen. And then, of course, Joe Scarborough talking about Jesus. They got cocky this week because they had the best numbers in the morning in all liberal cities. That was it. The big cities. That's how they actually put it out. But I think September 11th is something we should remember every year. And... Flipping through the channels, nobody did. So for the fallen, for all my brothers and sisters, 
who served in the war on terror for 20 years will never forget, even though everybody else does. Here's Jimmy Carter once again talking about fake elections. Just want to make sure we preface that before we get going. Didn't work out too good. Polls are showing that Americans and independents did not like his speech. It did not go over very well. Um, not surprised because it's a horrible speech. It's what horrible people do. Uh, Biden's speech is everything the media called Trump. It's a very interesting article on the Federalist, which is very apropos. Um, nobody wants to own up to the fact that it's not a good speech. Media loved it, so they're not going to. Another interesting stat that came out, and I don't want to forget it because we're not going to do a trans section today. Poll finds that 36% of college-educated white Democrat women believe that men can get pregnant. They're the same people that can't pay off their loans. Let's make sure we have that right. So, of course, the queen died, and that was the big news. Um, per SOP, whenever somebody other than a Democrat dies... There's the media shitting on her. Here's a college professor really shitting on her. Because it's what they do. They shit on people. And I I just, I, I, I don't understand why. Here's one from a PhD blue check. I literally was on the phone with British folks while tweeting this who confirmed that they won't be working for two weeks. Y'all, that's weird. I'm a black person. Why don't we get two weeks off? Yeah, that's that's a thing. That's just a thing. It's how they look at life. It's just what they do. They never stop. It is... You know, as somebody says here, at this point, it's difficult to tell which institution is primarily influencing the other, such as the mimetic feedback loop that increasingly constitutes all public intellectual discussion. It's just sad. I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. If anyone expects me to express anything but a disdain for the monarch or supervise the government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family and the consequences of which those alive today are still trying to overcome, you can keep wishing upon a star. The school she worked for apologized. Twitter took it down. Paul Joseph Watson, who's over there, they can't give it a rest for diversity and white privilege crap for five fucking minutes on the day the queen dies. It's a cult. BBC Radio 4, busy telling us about how the monarchy is at odds with society which values equality, diversity, inclusivity, while the monarchy is about white inherited privilege at odds with our multi-faith, multi-ethnic society. Great work from the national broadcaster. Jamel Hill chimed in, and I... Don't know if I got her tweet. 
or not. There you go. Journalists are tasked with putting legacies in full context. So it's entirely appropriate for examining the queen and her role in the devastating impact of continued colonialism. The problem is, it is historically wrong. Because she was part of the decolonialism. And of course, our media, well, it, it's just a mis mixed bag. You know, Britain descended from Great Britain before the war to Little England after the war. The Queen presided over that. I mean, Britain is no longer a world power. What actually makes them special is the brand of royalty. That's the, that's the thing they know how to do. That's why people go there. And I, I know I'm uh, you know, going to be the skunk at the garden party today, to use a British expression. And, and I, again, I also would pay tribute to Queen Elizabeth for her unrivaled service and dedication. But it was her great, 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 great grandfather, George III, who we rebelled from to start the United States of America. You played a, a clip of her speaking in Cape Town in 1947 in right. South Africa. Right. That's the year apartheid took effect in South Africa. They, that was something British colonialism ushered in. British colonialism, which she presided over for all these years, was, had a terrible effect on, on much of the world. It's something that people uh, revolt from. And I, I have to say to the, your earlier question, why, why are news, American news networks uh, dedicating all of this time to Queen Elizabeth's funeral? I think it's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's something, there's a weakness in the American character that still yearns for that era of hereditary privilege, which is the very thing that, that we escaped from. So um, there, I've made myself the spot. No, I, I love it. That, I, I, there's something that is just like fascinating me, which is the notion that it's going to be basically left up to President Biden as to whether or not he brings other presidents with him to the Queen's funeral. I mean, the, 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 the UK has made it very clear that's up to the president. He's invited and he can bring whatever delegation. So obviously Obama, you know, Carter, uh, Bush, no brainers. What about Trump? Will he invite Trump? We'll see. I mean, that is a difficult uh, question of protocol of diplomacy, but I am told by a couple of diplomatic officials that, uh, look, that the, the uh, Buckingham Palace is leaving it up to every country individually. I mean, imagine the nightmare of trying to do former presidents and former, you know, defense ministers. But in, the, in this case, it would be an easy solution if Trump wasn't in the picture. We'll see what they do. I mean, President Obama, when he was in office, he invited a President Bush, President Clinton, President Carter to go with him to Nelson Mandela's funeral as part of, of the delegation. So there is protocol for having U.S. presidents invite other presidents. Who knows? Maybe in the spirit of... Uh, of uh, forgiving and giving, uh, President Biden will invite uh, Donald uh, Trump on the Air Force One. I doubt that'll happen, but I do expect some type of a bipartisan delegation. But look, they are leaving it to the White House, we're told. The White House is saying we're not going to say anything about this until the palace makes funeral arrangements. But by Monday, uh, they're going to have to figure this out because the funeral time will be announced tomorrow. See, I think, Yasmin, I think that the, the, vet, the, the clever move is to invite him. Yes. And then see if he goes. And see if he goes. I don't think President Trump, former President Trump, would want to be subordinate on Air Force One. And I think probably he prefers his own plane anyway. Well, what do you think? I think that's probably true. Um... The, the, the dominant feature of our culture now is that we have the means to express opinions constantly without having opinions worth expressing constantly. You know, that's that's the tension that that defines uh, contemporary life. And in that sense, Elizabeth II is the embodiment 
of a counterculture. She was restrained. She was dignified. Uh, and she did her duty. Andrew Sullivan, the great writer and thinker, tweeted this yesterday. I'm trying to write a column, find myself in tears. I fear that mm -hmm. everything she exemplified, restraint, duty, grace, reticence, persistence, are disappearing from this world. Andrew Sullivan's words, I mean, dignity, grace, mm -hmm. fortitude. Right. It seems as, as she went into old age, mm -hmm. those attributes stood out even more as society seems to lose them. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, Andrew Sullivan, when, when I read what Andrew Sullivan uh, wrote, I mean, it just serves as a great, um, a great challenge. I mean, and, and it let, it let it begin with me. It's, it's just the case that, that she, she was. I studied in London, and so I lived in London uh -huh. um, uh, for, for a while. And I got caught up in the pomp and circumstance of it all as well. I wanted to see the changing of the guards. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to meet the queen uh -huh. um, because I think we all love <coughs> glam and pageantry. And I think, though, we can mourn the queen and not the empire. Yeah. Because sure. if you really think about what the monarchy um, was built on, it was built on the backs of black and brown people. She wore a crown with pillaged stones from India and Africa. And now what you're seeing, at least in the black communities that I'm a part of, um, they want reparations. You know, Barbados left, uh, left, the, uh, left the sort of this, this monarchy, this colonization. Yeah. Um, Jamaica, I'm, I have a lot of Jamaican friends, that's coming soon. And right now, Charles now is in a position, he's, I think, has 14 colonies that he is now head of state, including Australia and Canada, I believe, if yeah. I'm correct. It's time for him to modernize this monarchy. And it's time for him to provide reparations to all of those colonies. And I also think, you know, a monarchy, it's very easy to uplift one family. The harder thing is to uplift all families. And I think that he's in a position to be able to do that. But you, you do know. You do know that Queen Elizabeth fought against apartheid in South Africa. That was she, she, one of the good things she did. She was, and she also was very angry with Thatcher, who refused to do sanctions mm -hmm. against South Africa. Yeah. So she tried, I think, her best, if she could, every mm -hmm. once in a while. She really didn't have that much power. She was a figurehead. Well, look, I, I, the, the United States was built on the backs of <gasps> black and brown and people. And we want our reparations. And, you know, <laughs> the... Uh, the, the, you know, the Catholic Church was built on the, black, on the backs of, of uh, people who, black and, uh, black and brown people who were forced to convert to Catholicism. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of that that we're coming to terms with. And I think one of the things that Charles can do to get some popularity mm -hmm. is maybe take some time away from speaking to his plants and speak to this issue. Yeah. Recognize this issue. For speaking uh, to who with the first... Speaking to his plants, you know, he likes to speak and to maybe the bring his family back together <laughs> after the allegations of racism that have been made by Duchess uh, Meghan Markle and her husband, his son Prince Harry. Maybe they can address that as well. well. I think when we asked um, uh, the correspondent, like, what could he do that would be different? I think modernizing would be a smart step for him, mm -hmm. purely because I think it's important to separate the Queen from the monarchy uh, and the empire, as you said, because I mm -hmm. think sometimes that's conflated. And there was, I was a little sad yesterday because I saw 
saw um, some posts and articles written about some things that people were tweeting, and one of them was awful. It was from a professor at Carnegie Mellon who said, I heard the chief monarch of a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. Oh, man. Uh, and I thought, oh. how do you answer? I mean, that is literally answering with such a hateful heart. And it, it wasn't the tweet that it, almost more shocking was the tens of thousands of likes on that tweet. And to me, that was a moment where you're, you're answering the very hate you reject with a hate. Well, that's and right. that's that, how you separate the queen it's important, with the but empire that, because I think there people isn't a lie the two. in the rest of that tweet. What did he say? He said she. She, she said uh, a thieving, raping, genocidal empire is finally dying. May her pain be excruciating. It was a thieving, raping, genocidal um, but I think Twitter took that tweet down because it violated its policies of, of wishing pain. Yeah, and Carnegie uh, Mellon yeah. also, because this is a, a professor that teaches young people. This is an educator and a leader. Mm -hmm. And the, the university said something important. Uh, aside from not, uh, this doesn't represent the values of the institution, they said, nor the standards of discords, discourse true. we seek to foster, which That's is important true. because this wasn't just a regular average citizen. This was an academic who leads yeah, our young Sarah, people. one of the things we can't do is we can't tell people from you know who've been colonized we can't tell people who've been barbarized with how to feel and it's very difficult to to I think to to understand it mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't been in those shoes so be responsible for tweeting got, no that's why I'm taking down there too I think there's got to be some <laughs> grace like she her, she doesn't deserve pain and suffering never let a crisis go to waste they say it's just really sad you know I I'm not a monarch person you know, if, if the crown never came out on Netflix, I know shit about this lady, but she was a good person. She saw the decolonialism and she lived a life. As I said on a tweet, we're losing our three eyed ravens to do a Game of Thrones reference. She lived through so much to hate on her is just what they are. And while it's going on and we can't even pause, Biden's out the soul of the nation, the soul of the nation shit, more Americans, they're horrible. But it was an interesting thing that Bill Maher said. Um, there are lies on the Democratic side, too, sometimes. If you think about what are the traits that we don't want to see, then look to yourself and anybody's faction. I, I'm libertarian with a small L. It's a small little faction. People in, on that team, too, yeah. can engage in this and call it out. There's a lot of election denial in the Democratic Party, depending on if you lose. Stacey Abrams was not a gracious uh, loser in the Georgia race a couple of years ago, and I, she's revered as a hero on the left, largely. There's I, a lot of political violence in this country I, on the left. It's not the same. That's, but it's worth talking about if is, those values matter to you. You that, work back from the value. I, I don't know why a smart guy like you would go there. Uh, honestly. And I, as a big fan of you. I just think there's so many other things. And you're right, too. It is false equivalence. The, the, the Republicans are more dangerous. But again, do you want to win or do you want to win points? Yeah, but it, And then, to your, sorry, to your point, like, please, Al Gore conceded the election. Yeah. Hillary Clinton got in her purple suit. Yeah. Okay, it's, that's just the worst one to fight that on. Maybe Stacey Abrams wasn't as gracious as she should have been. Yeah. Th this, that issue is a, Republicans own that issue of election denial. Let's fight, and, and Democrats have to own 
of other crazy shit where, you know, a bodega guy gets attacked and then he's brought up on charges because he fought back. Yeah. Go to war on that. Th this bakery in Portland that I saw won a big suit this week because they were accused of racism when they, and they won, I think, $135 million from Oberlin College. Just pick out something. There's something every day that Biden could have picked out and said, and my side has gone too far on this, and yes, it wouldn't be equivalent, but the country could then, the people in the middle and the people who don't want to feel like you're just attacking my team would be like, yes, finally, and then he could not have to run again. I think we all wait a minute in that case. Hold on. The extremists on the left, they want to fire some of my colleagues for making hapless remarks. They want to try and seize social status by acting more virtuous than they are in their everyday lives, and it's obnoxious, and it's out of touch. But election denial, wanting right. to move towards a white Christian nationalist nation, that's just fucking out of control. It is. I, I, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. So, one... One is a dumpster fire. One is a dumpster fire. The other is a nuclear mushroom cloud. Okay. All of us. Okay, but the people who, who populate this country aren't watching you yep. or this show right now and just don't appreciate that difference. And you got to win. You got to win. Win, baby. Just win. But I'm sorry. He's right that the president, if he was smart, would literally have done some both sides. Something. He would have. He didn't. Because they can't. And you look at this lady. This was all over Twitter. People are freaking out that a representative came and saw her. But we jailed people forever for walking in the Capitol. We did nothing to the left. Kinziger was online talking about how disgusting this is. And I laid it out. And I got a bunch of relikes and tweets. People loved it. Because one side is just outright hateful they're just fucking hateful um i'm gonna play greg gutfeld um rick wilson and hokel thoughts i have many thoughts you know even as a little person i like to see the big picture <laughs> and the judge was talking about how the dems are reframing they're reframing law and order and education. They're reframing, and the Republicans have to be reclaiming. <gasps> Good. In the sense that we have a contrast here between an imaginary war and a real war, right? On one side, Biden and the media are creating this psychological uh, conflict between Trumpies and democracy, and yet when you go outside, everybody's happy, everybody's fine. Meanwhile, with actual real people, parents. There's a real battle going on. It, it's in an education because the battle involves their kids. This is not a fabricated conflict. You know, when you have lockdowns, when you have drag shows, when did all of this happen? All of a sudden, they're just showing up everywhere in middle schools. You got the pronoun police. You got to shift from teaching to lecturing you on race. We're, we're no longer having an emphasis on on reading and writing, but on the racism of school names. So th there is an actual, real, practical, like, uh, fact-based conflict going on here, which is an opportunity for the Republicans to reclaim or claim their right as the parents' party. You know, say, hey, we're not going to call you domestic terrorists. We're not going to champion surgery for gender confusion. We're not going to call your kids irrevocably racist. You know, take a take a page out of Joe's handbook of fear, right? 
scare the crap out of parents with facts, make it palpable. Meanwhile, when you look at, I, you know, when you, this is going to be a very, I'm, I'm going to act like uh, Jesse and make a bro uh, broad statement. <laughs> I remember when I was watching the protests after 2016 <laughs> when Trump won and I saw the protests, it was a lot of single women. It wasn't a lot of men, and the men there, they weren't exquisite specimens, let's, be, <laughs> let's face it. But I saw a lot of young, angry females. And the Democratic Party, in a way, has become the party of young, angry, single women, right? They're, they place abortion before babies, right? It's their right to have convenience up to the birth, abortion on demand up to birth. That is not a party for a family. That's not a, that's a psychosis. If you think you can abort a child up to the day of birth, that's that's insane. That's insane. So I think the Republican Party should focus on being the party for parents. It's right there. It's a real battle. The facts are there. Do it. Reclaim. Reclaim. Don't get framed. Don't get framed. Don't Reclaim. Get exactly. Insane in the membrane. Don't start rapping. We got to go to break. <laughs> Our plan, powered by the Inflation Reduction Act, represents the largest investment in fighting climate change in our country's history. And it will put us well on our way toward a future where we depend on the wind, the sun, and other clean sources of energy. We will rid ourselves from our current dependence on fossil fuels. Oakland County religious leaders are talking against the state of New York about a new provision in its new pistol permit law, and one is even taking legal action. So they're contesting a ban on carrying guns in sensitive places, which include their places of worship. News 12's Ben Nandy has more why they're fighting it. For them to slam through laws the way they did is just going to create more disaster. Zvi Waldman, founder of the New York State Jewish Gun Club, is floored over New York State's pistol permit law, especially the provision that prohibits civilians from carrying guns in sensitive locations, which includes places of worship. We should be able to protect ourselves. Waldman's club just retained a civil rights attorney to challenge the law and is asking others to join the fight. He says synagogues should be able to let licensed civilians carry guns in case of an attack like the 2018 Pittsburgh synagogue shooting or the 2019 Hanukkah stabbings at the home of a Muncie rabbi. The average Orthodox Jew spends up to 20, 20 hours a week um, in shul. You know, so for us, not being able to be protected in shul it means more than, than the average person that goes to church once a week. I also spoke with Pastor Jesse Stevenson of Revived Church, who shares some of Waldman's views. He referenced the Uvalde school shooting. What happens if we run into a police officer that does not want to involve himself in a shooting? Why then would there not be necessary for someone who was uh, licensed to carry. The Department of Criminal Justice Services responded to these concerns, saying houses of worship in New York have always been able to work with law enforcement, security guards, and other certified armed personnel to keep their communities safe. And under the new concealed carry law, that will continue to be the case. Waldman says yes, some larger places of worship might be able to arrange and pay for that kind of security. But what about the smaller places of worship, like these tiny shoals with 20 or 30 members each that are popping up all over Rockland County. To fund it is basically by the community. Let's say in my shoe at the end of the month, they hang up the electric bill on it on the wall and everybody, you know, chips in a couple of bucks to pay it. And there's no way that we can afford to have, you know, private security. I reached out to several state lawmakers who voted for the law with questions just on the sensitive locations provision as it relates to. And the donor class can't just sit back on the sidelines and say, 
oh, well, don't worry, this will all work itself out. They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. And that's a fact. Nothing happened to him for saying he's got to take a bullet. We're going to ban guarding churches because they hate churches. Yellen justifies what Gutfeld said. They are outright a cult. It's just a cult. You can't even get away from it. It's so fucking culty. These fucking people. And our problem is you can't even have media. So for our asshole segment, I'm going to play a historian talking and they couldn't hand it on MSNBC. And then you're going to hear a story which is going to lead us into our next segment, which is just about crime. A person was killed in Vegas by a Democrat. You never hear the word Democrat. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole. Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole. You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You are an asshole. You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Get away from me, you asshole. Andrew, good to see you. Thank you for being with us this morning or this afternoon uh, in London. Let's discuss this. The, the idea that there were people, we, we just had an historian say that there are many people who are queenists. They're not monarchists. They liked her. They're either bored with the institution or think, think, think that it needs to change or aren't going to be that into the next king. Give us your evaluation of that. I think that's wildly overstated, frankly. Uh, I think uh, when you look at all the opinion polls, we're about 80 to 85 percent in favor of having a constitutional monarchy, whoever's in, uh, in, on the throne. Uh, so I think this is extremely overdone, uh, frankly. Rather, I'm afraid to say, as your introduction was, if uh, we had given so much pain to people throughout uh, history, why was uh, Charles chosen by every single uh, Commonwealth country, many of which are former imperial countries, as the head of the Commonwealth? We abolished slavery. Hold on 30, a second. Andrew, we abolished, are you really denying we, what we, I just sorry, said about British that. colonialism? Are you really we, doing we, that, Andrew? Are you really we, doing we, that? We, 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 Andrew, we Andrew, slavery Andrew, this is not a propaganda show. Andrew, I need you to stop. I need you to stop for a second. I need you to stop for a second. Are you really taking issue with the with the horrors of colonialism, Andrew? I'm, I'm certainly taking issue with your remarks about slavery, which we abolished 32 years before you did, and we didn't have to kill 600,000 people in a civil war over it. So you, you think that that's fine, that there are people all over the world who are born in colonial countries, because when I was born, the British Empire still existed. Uh, that's okay yeah. for everybody which to think. Country, which country were you born in? Kenya. Right. And that the Kenyans not only supported the... Um, the appointment of Prince Charles, now King Charles, as the head of the Commonwealth. We've just had a fantastic uh, statement from the president of Kenya saying what a wonderful thing. Breaking overnight, an arrest in the murder of an investigative journalist found stabbed to death outside his Las Vegas home, a local politician in custody. We're going to turn now to an arrest and the murder of a Las Vegas investigative reporter who was stabbed to death outside his home. This morning, a local politician is in custody. This morning, a Las Vegas County official waking up behind bars in connection with the murder of a local investigative reporter. 
Police arresting Clark County Public Administrator Robert Tellis after a standoff on Wednesday. Tellis taken into custody with non-life-threatening stab wounds that were apparently self-inflicted. Moving on now uh, to more developments in the West. An ugly story coming out of Las Vegas where a journalist was murdered and an elected official that journalist had been covering is now in custody. Jeff Gehrman, he was a longtime reporter for the Las Vegas Review Journal, was found stabbed to death outside his own home Saturday morning. Clark County's public administrator, a man named Robert Tillis, will be in court later today to face murder charges. He allegedly killed the investigative reporter whose stories helped end his political career. Mystery in Vegas, a local reporter stabbed to death, a Nevada politician who was the subject of his investigations reportedly in custody in connection with that case. Got breaking news out of Las Vegas. A suspect has been arrested in the killing of a veteran journalist there. It's a mysterious case, and it appears at the moment to be tied to the victim's work and investigation. Jeff Gehrman was a well-known investigative reporter for the Las Vegas Review Journal. He was stabbed to death outside his home over the weekend. Now police have reportedly arrested Robert Tellis, an elected official who lost his re-election bid after Gehrman's... We have spent... The last five years talking about facts and how it's important to have facts. But they don't want facts. Facts get in the way of everything they do. And so they shut it down. They rewrite history. Right now the history is that January 6th was the worst thing that ever fucking happened. But the worst thing happening right now is the crime in our streets propagated by the Democrats. And this is a lot to throw at you, but this shit's sad. That man cannot on God, my white, that man folks not finna like black people. Then, then they finna be they finna be marching on the river saying white lives matter. Y'all let through, y'all was just White folks gonna hate black people. I hope y'all know it. Hey, first thing, Eliza Fletcher. Let me take this shit back to racism. I hope y'all ready. First thing, Jeff Fletcher. I'm gonna go here, go Z on number white people. I get any white hoe on the side of me, don't get popped tonight. He already shot a white old man. I'm gonna shoot a white old lady. Shit. Why grandkids in the car? As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights. And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park, Cook County, and Illinois. And the deadly shooting spree terrorizing Memphis. Ezekiel Kelly accused of killing four people and wounding three others, allegedly driving through the city, shooting victims at random. Live streaming the attacks on Facebook police, parts of the city ordered to shelter in place for several hours, arrested following a high-speed chase.
the mayor condemning what he calls a senseless murder rampage. Go. Stay inside. Tell the people you love. Call them, text them, email them. Tell them to stay inside. This is not a joke. This is an extremely dangerous situation. And I know... Memphis is tired right now. Yeah, I'm good. I'm with you all. Memphis is tired right now. The Eliza Fletcher kidnapping and abduction and murder. The other crimes we've had this year leading up to this. It's difficult right now. Bear with me. It's a very nerve-wracking night. It has been a very difficult week for those who know the Fletcher family, for those who know the family of that minister who was shot and killed in her driveway during a carjacking, who know the community advocate from Whitehaven who was shot and killed. It has been difficult in Memphis. So they're going to find this guy. Until they do, stay inside. Again, It's fucking sad. I mean, this is what they're doing. It was, it was alerted by Andy NGO with the photos of the ex-at-large arm guy. Memphis is tired right now. Reporter chokes up during it because it just keeps happening. It doesn't end. They keep releasing people. They don't fucking make them pay for it. They're too busy chasing fake shit. Like the BYU story. It's false. New York Times had a recant. And what does what do we get? We we get literally MSNBC writing articles that it's wrong that the lady said, "I hope the queen is dying." It's I can't believe the school would do that, freedom of speech and shit. But we chase slurs that we think are there, but it's all fake, no evidence. But as most of these end up going. Well, then you need to change this. Like the one time with the baseball team said digger, thought it was the N-word. Then they said, well, we need to change this. Duke, though. Statement from Duke University, Vice President Athletic Nina King. The 18 members of Duke University volleyball team are exceptionally strong women, but we're not going to play there anymore because it was wrong. We think it really happened. Oberman this week has to pay $36 million. For slurring a bakery. Our media doesn't even cover that the DA let this guy in Memphis back out. That's the case on all of these. All of them. You saw the Hochul. They're too busy doing that. Don't You can't guard a church. Fuck that. Fuck it. And then you, that's a man I played on the bite. It's fucking Memphis. Dude lives in Memphis. Going to go kill white people because they're white. Do you think anybody's going to track him down? No. And then there's this tripe from, of course, Portland. Um, there's a shooting of a Trump supporter recently. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've heard of another Trump supporter being shot. So the f what? He got shot. Is he alive? Uh, I believe he died. Oh. Tough luck. Don't be a Trump supporter in Portland. That's how they act. There's actually an article this week. Find 
the Antifa for Trump in Portland. You want to make a point? Find them. Where are the equivalent? Uh, not January 6th. Not January 6th. This has been going on since 2016. It hasn't stopped since 2016. Where's it at? Nobody knows. Don't care. Trump supporters die. Remember, I'm old enough to remember Trump rallies in the beginning with the media trying to say Trump people started and you see people getting beat, the lady getting egged. Do you remember that? I do. This week, photo, Glenn Youngkin's campaign for unhinged extremists, virulent races, climate denier, Paula Page in Maine. It's blue Virginia. They cropped out the black people that are in the photos. They got all the black people out. There were black people at his rally. This week, podcast movement apologized to Ben Shapiro. Because they realize they're wrong. But the best thing that happened this week, and it's going to be our lighter fare because it's just perfect of what we have, is two videos. One is going to be of San Francisco, what it looks like. And one is a city councilman from Chicago, or D.C., talking about how it looks like a border town because of the irresponsible governor sending up illegals. And remember, boys and girls, they're a sanctuary city. So it's been said, but it's worth reiterating that the governors of Texas and Arizona have created this crisis. And the federal government has not stepped up to assist the District of Columbia. So we, um, along with our regional partners, will do what we've always done. We'll rise to the occasion. We've learned from border towns like El Paso and Brownsville. And in many ways, the governors of Texas and Arizona have turned us into a border town. We don't know how long this will take to resolve. We don't know how long they will continue busing. And so the right thing to do here is to be prepared to ensure we can greet every bus. We can get people off on the right foot. We can get them where they want to go. And that will ultimately help them in their immigration process. I believe we call that a shithole. And they keep asking for the National Guard. And the Department of Defense goes, no. But you saw the video of that policeman talking. And this is the world they're setting up. Because they're having all these illegals, some of them criminals. 
In Illinois, aggravated battery, DUI, fleeing, arson, burglary, homicide, intimidation, kidnapping, robbery, second-degree murder, threatening a public official, you will not be detained. Not be attained. You will not be detained. That's the world they're setting up. That's what they want. So you have an elderly man slashed in head by machete-wielding, disturbing woman with a slew of prior offenses. And this was in New York. What else is their priority? Let's flip across because I bookmarked it. Rural Kentucky is going to be getting a bunch of drug paraphernalia to get rid of stigma. So we're handing out more crack kits. Crack fucking kit. Somehow that's fair. I guess. I I don't know. And it's all being heralded by even CBS who says, this motherfucker's old. And President Biden has faced some of the same criticism from his political opponents. All men and women created by the, go, you know the, you know the thing. These are signs of senility, which is a common thing in elderly people. And even among Democrats, a recent poll shows that age is the top concern among those looking for a different candidate in 2024. It was all just a Trojan horse. It's just unbelievable. They can get away with anything. Nobody stops them. Snapchat. A slip by by social media giant Snap allowed leading Democrat campaigns and party committee to unwillingly tap into a vast repository of Republican voter data by accident. No, it wasn't. YouTube to prominently push authoritative sources like PBS. And what are they doing right now? Huge stuff. On AOC, the death of a person seen as near deity of the white political ruling media class, but who was also at one point the oppressive ruler of something like 30% of the global population, is going to provide an excellent example of subjectivity and straight news reporting. That was done by Wesley Lowry, who was fired by about everybody. But he wrote the piece on AOC, and I was going to read it, but I like the way Ben Shapiro did it. That, 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 that's what she is. She is a celebrity influencer who's in Congress. She doesn't do anything useful in Congress. She doesn't actually sponsor serious legislation. People laugh at her legislation because it's stupid. She does Instagram clips. And she's on the cover of GQ this week. She's on the cover of GQ. Now, she's extraordinarily radical. She hobnobs with anti-Semites and backs their play. She is a socialist through and through, like identifies as such. And she is the future of the Democratic Party, according to GQ. And this is like a perfect confluence, this article. It's also written by Wesley Lowry, who used to write for the Washington Post until they said, you know, you're so openly partisan, you can't be a reporter. He's like, of course I'm openly partisan. That's called truth. So now he's writing the profile piece on Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And the entire piece is about what a victim she is. She's a super giant victim, you see. 
who's using Congress as a platform for her to be on the cover of GQ. GQ is a fashion magazine. GQ stands for Gentlemen's Quarterly. Okay, so that, does this have to do with politics or does this have to do with image making? She's like, the, she is the apex predator when it comes to the merger of celebrity and politics. Let me read again the preconditions to the destruction of American institutions from Yuval Levin, right? Here are the elements, you ready? The lure of cynical distance and of playing the outsider. That is literally her entire shtick. I'm an outsider. I, I have to lead a movement. The systems of politics are, are, too, uh, are too confining for me. The celebrity of culture. People using the institutions, not as molds that ought to shape their behavior, but as platforms that allow them greater individual exposure and enable them to hone their personal brands. There's nothing that says personal brand more than being on the cover of GQ in very expensive clothing. So she put out on her Instagram this statement, quote, I'm back after some rest time. She, she was gone? Really? I didn't even know because she's so unbelievably ubiquitous. To tackle the issue of gender and politics, GQ decided to take some big risks. So risky, so brave, so gutsy. It's such a big risk to put AOC on the cover of a magazine. No one's ever thought to do that before. But why do Republicans care? Why do you keep talking? Because they keep putting her on magazine covers despite her zero legislative accomplishments and her idiotic Instagram page videos where she sticks her face in a bowl of ice. That's why. You're the ones who elevate her and put her on magazine cover. Me pointing out that she's on a magazine cover is not me starting the issue. It's you starting the issue. You make her an icon. And then when I point out that you've made a bubblehead, an icon, then suddenly you're like, wow, how, you can't notice that. How, why are you noticing that? It's this singularly unintelligent and unimpressive legislator. She says, to tackle the issue of gender and politics, GQ decided to take some big risks and feature their first female politician on their cover, interviewed by one of the most prominent young black male journalists and top journalist period of our time, Wesley Lowry, who again was kicked out of major publications for being a biased left winger with two legendary trans icons photographing and styling the images. Wow. Well, I mean, huge news, guys. Trans, they're not just trans people. They are trans icons who photographed and styled her of so many people to, to serve the celebrity. The fight to restore abortion rights needs more than a few good men and a lot of good work ahead. So men, let's talk. And the article itself is just a fawning piece of absolute tripe. It, it's, it's amazing. Like it doesn't even pretend at anything other than utter worship. And yesterday, we spent a bit of time on this show talking about a, a, an article in Vogue about Jennifer Lawrence. It's the same article. It's the same article. Right, Jennifer Lawrence talking about politics. Is AOC talking about politics? They are the same. Is Meghan Markle talking about politics? There's no difference between GQ featuring AOC and The Cut featuring Meghan Markle and Vogue featuring Jennifer Lawrence. They are all part of the same celebrity clique. That, that is who they are. Pretending that this is serious politics is a lie. These are not serious people. They do not think two steps ahead. They do not have the interests of the American people at heart. What they have at heart is being on the cover of GQ. What they have at heart is being celebrities and pretending that there's a difference in kind between Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, AOC, Jennifer Lawrence, Meghan Markle. It's just not true, which is why Meghan Markle thinks maybe she should run for office someday, despite the fact that her entire political resume is, I was a B-list actress on Suits, and then I married into a royal family that I crapped upon. There's no difference between her and AOC. The same. The same. In terms of politics, in terms of image, these are all part of a piece. This is not the way politics was supposed to work. Politics was supposed to be a boring business for lawyers who basically put together legislation to tinker around the edges of our civilization. It was not meant to be a bunch of people who get very famous and very, very rich off of the institutions that 
have created the ability for Americans to be free. That is not what these institutions were built for. So Wesley Lowry has this entire fawn, just fawning piece. And implicit in this entire piece are all of the Evolvin warnings. All of them. A person who's outside the system, who yells about the system, who believes the system is bad. A person who makes it her personal mission to use the system as a platform for her own celebrity. Quote, for her first two years in Washington, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez walked a few blocks from her apartment to her congressional office nearly every morning, a routine she felt forced to change after a treasonous mob stormed the Capitol. Now she drives most days, a comically short commute she considers a necessary safety precaution. No comment on, uh, on the fact that she parks her Tesla outside of Whole Foods. But for some reason, she's not quite sure why. The congresswoman decided to walk to work on what would become Washington's most tumultuous morning since the insurrection. She's not quite sure why. Everyone knew Roe versus Wade was coming down that day. Maybe it was that. But says the completely credulous Wesley Lowry. No, 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 it was, it was a coincidence. As she reached the Capitol grounds on June 24th, a group of men stopped her for a photo. I said, hello, and how are you all doing? She'd recall later. They're like, well, you know, you've definitely been a lot better given this morning. This was how the congresswoman learned that the Supreme Court had gutted the constitutional right to abortion established by Roe versus Wade. The ruling had been anticipated for weeks after a draft opinion from the court's conservative faction leaked, but somehow much of Washington still managed to appear blindsided. Out on the steps of the Capitol, a group of lawmakers gathered to sing God Bless America, a pre-planned photo op that now read as hopelessly out of touch. Angry Americans were spilling into the streets and elected Democrats were singing campfire songs. Ocasio-Cortez knew where she needed to be. It wasn't at a sing-along. So um, she went to a protest, right? She didn't need to be a Congress putting together legislation to fix what she perceived as a problem. Nope. She needed to be at the Supreme Court yelling in front of the cameras. This is what celebrities do, gang. It's no different than Sean Penn arriving at a protest and speaking to a bullhorn. Sometimes people ask, oh, what's the point of protest? She told me later, recalling that day. The act of protest, she said, creates community and participation by political leaders sends a message. It's really important for people to feel like their elected officials give a bleep about them, she said, not from on high, from on the same level. Or alternatively, it's really important for you to go where all the cameras are and stand in front of that crowd and pretend that you're one of the people who you are now living a very cush life off taxpayer money to quote unquote represent. I'd arrived at the Supreme Court a few minutes before Ocasio-Cortez said Wesley Lowry to interview protesters and watched as she maneuvered in her plaid pink pantsuit. It was all coincidence what she was wearing that day. A plaid pink pantsuit, so, total, total coincidence. Passed a small circle of anti-abortion demonstrators and then waded into the sea of women and men who'd gathered to mourn. Soon she was speaking into a borrowed megaphone, helping to lead the call and response. Into the streets, Ocasio-Cortez shouted, pumping a clenched fist in the air. Within minutes, a sobbing young woman found the congresswoman and threw herself into her arms. I'm so scared, she wept. I'm so scared. Of what? Of what? But it made for a perfect photo op for Wesley Lowry. I love that. He's criticizing the Democrats for gathering on the steps of the Capitol to sing God Bless America as a photo op. So she went to another photo op. Um, and, and she's... She's shouting into the streets. Why it's, wait, aren't you an elected representative in the, in the most powerful legislative body in world history? Shouldn't you be doing that? Why are you out there shouting into the streets? Because again, it's not about getting things done. It's not about politics. It's about platform building. That's all it's about. The institutions are the enemy. Well, that's our media in a nutshell. And you know, being that it is September 11th, should have known it would end up this way going to play a few sound bites um, before we go into the September 11th section. Here's Jamie Raskin. Fuck it. I'm just going to make it our This Is America. Uh, Raskin, don't need an electoral college. 
all the other ones, Trump's got a thousand things to go to jail on. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. There's now a new reporting yesterday in the New York Times. Very interesting. Federal grand jury in D.C. examining the formation and spending by a Trump-operated PAC. It is Save America PAC. According to New York Times reporting, they looked at subpoenas and that at least the contents were described to them. And it seems like they're going after some kind of almost like a money laundering or at least a violation of the Federal Election Commission laws. What do you read into it? Yeah, so this is going to perhaps sound odd coming from a former career prosecutor. Stop with the new investigations, okay? It's not, that, that's a bit of a joke, Dean, but listen, it's like, oh, my God, Donald Trump stole the presidency by committing campaign finance crimes in a conspiracy with Michael Cohen. We've got to investigate. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Ten counts of obstruction of justice that Bob Mueller just documented in the Trump-Russia. We've got to. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He, he committed the, he bribed and extorted President Zelensky. We, whoa, 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 wait. He incited an insurrection. Whoa, 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 whoa. Documents at Mar-a-Lac. Just stop it. Just indict the man. Yes, I'm sorry. My voice is loud and my blood pressure is up. I don't really want them to stop investigating all of Donald Trump's new crimes. I want them to hold him accountable for just one of the flipping crimes we all know he committed that we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, there's a point of diminishing returns. You can only confine a man for but one lifetime. We can confine Trump for a thousand years, but we won't unless we, we start with one indictment. And there's a difference between what I would call the great crime of Donald Trump, which was a frontal assault on the core of American democracy and whatever statutory violation of the U.S. code he may have committed. And, and, and sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a mismatch there. And I wonder how you think about those sort of two lanes. Well, obviously, we're going to need some legislative changes um, to the criminal code to account for now the possibility of presidents just taking uh, a headlong rush at uh, seizing hmm. the presidency. Um, but there are federal statutes out there that will do the job. We, of course, have seditious conspiracy, and we have conspiracy to interfere with a federal proceeding, which I think everybody can agree yes. uh, took place here. After all, the whole chant was stop the steal, and they bum-rushed the Capitol. They assaulted federal officers all in order to interfere with the federal proceeding. Everybody agrees that's exactly what took place. And it didn't happen by accident and it wasn't spontaneous. Even if it were spontaneous, of course, um, there were people who agreed to go yeah. in together and do it. But this thing was planned. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, we're going to have to look at some new federal statutory changes. And we have to look at the way that the electoral 
uh, system itself is vulnerable to yep. strategic bad faith actors like Donald Trump. The Electoral College is an accident waiting to happen, and we have to deal with that at some point in American history. And uh, why not now? All right. They're just garbage. They're garbage, human, and there's nothing we can do to change it. Even when they win, it's not enough. It's just never enough. And we should have known it was coming. We just... I never thought it would, but... I just remember things weren't this bad. So I have a montage of what happened. Bush on the pile, the Super Bowl... And it's all preceded with Clinton talking about the WMDs in Iraq. Good morning. We have to be resolute and firm. Keep in mind what is at stake here. The international community has made a decision embodied in the United Nations resolution that Saddam Hussein must not be permitted to resume producing weapons of mass destruction. The advisors in UNSCOM, the, the inspectors there, they are the eyes and ears of the international community. They have been very successful, as you know, in doing their job. That is the issue. And whether he's firm or weak, in the end, the international community has to be firm to make sure that his regime does not resume its capacity to develop weapons of mass destruction. You know, I'm pausing it because I remember during the whole Clinton administration, and I'm not going to do the low-hanging fruit that he always bombs something the moment something bad happened in his administration like Monica Lewinsky, but Kerry, Clinton, everybody came on. That's all they ever talked about. Weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. I remember it. I even remember people going on Meet the Press with Russert and saying we made a mistake by not just finishing the job in 1990. And that three times during his presidency, he was handed Osama bin Laden on a fucking platter. And he never did it because he saw it as a law enforcement problem. So then it happens. American 11, are you trying to call? The cockpit is not answering their phone. Our number one is in staff, and our five is in staff. Hey, I'm going to call from Washington. I am in a situation with American 11, a possible hijack. What's going on, Betty? The crap is erratic again. Problem, um, very erratic. Betty, talk to me. Betty, are you there? Betty? Ready? What? Is it 737? What? Who are you talking to? Oh, God. Oh, my God. United 175, New York. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, two of them. Jules, this is Ryan. Uh, listen, on an airplane, that's been hijacked. The thing is so well. I'm looking good. I just want you to know I absolutely love you. I want you to do good. So happy to find uh, thanks to my parents and everybody. And I just totally love you. And uh, I'll see you later. Bye, babe.
God. So both towers are now. Okay, I got an aircraft south east of the White House. Crystal City, just north of Crystal City. Just to the north of your town. Yeah, stop all the parkers. United 93, that traffic three is one o'clock, 12 miles eastbound, 370. Negative contact, we're looking, United 93. United 93, Cleveland, if you hear the center right then. United 93, have you got information on that yet? Yeah, he's down. He's down? Yes. When did he land? He did not land. Oh, he's down? Yes, yeah, somewhere up northeast of Camp David.
LSU and the people and the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon.
I remember being right where I'm at right now. There was a TV where I was. Our first projection. The wife was doing her hair. She's getting ready for work. And of course, I was in the military and had the day off. And I said, I'm going to get us a TV because our TV broke. We had an old TV and it was just dying. And I, she said, blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, I'm going to get a big screen. And she goes, okay, don't spend too much. And I said, I'll only spend 1500 And of course, she didn't hear me because she was at her blow dryer on. And I ran out. And me and the kids took my 67 Chevy down to Best Buy. And we got this big projection. Put it in the truck. Me and Zach wheeled it with boards out of the truck onto the front porch. No, we took it downstairs. We took it downstairs. Because we got our first flat panel. That's right. Flat panel and took that one that I cheated on downstairs. And it sat down here where my kids threw darts at it and everything. But this was our rec room. We had a remote doorknob and a phone down here and this was our happy place and i was at work did pt came back gg called and said there's something that hit the world trade center and it looks like it was a plane i thought it was just a commuter plane and we went in and all of a sudden somebody says no it's it was a big plane so the s3 because i was the air waiting for a platoon with the rockasons and i watched the second plane crash Took all day to get home. Locked down. Couldn't leave the base. And we all came downstairs. And by then they had made these montage. And I remember I was about to cry. And I walked in the garage because I didn't want my kids to see it. Because I knew as a DRB I was going to war. Of course I didn't leave till the beginning of January. Because everything was fucked up on our deployment schedule. But I remember the patriotism and t-shirts. There's a picture of us in our house with a big flyout that came with a local paper of Remember the Fallen. It's beautiful. We had it on our house. Then I went to war. And by the time I got back, USA Today was already having articles of protest about Iraq. And the general in charge gave me a knife. Came around, saw everybody, remember me from live fires. Hand me his knife. I still have it in an award case. General Cody. And we were already talking about taking the world tour and going to Somalia and everything. Because they were everywhere. It was war on terror. But there was already protests. And the very same people that said that there were WMDs in Iraq were now saying there was none. And this is a pointless war. Now, personally, I thought it was stupid because I knew we couldn't fight two wars. I just knew we couldn't. I went over to combat zone with one less squad. I had two rifle squads and a weapon squad. I didn't have a third squad. We had 25 fucking guys. So we deployed to a war zone with. But I remember it. And then it became a tool. The left used it as a tool. The media that was embarrassed because they said it was a done deal and Iraq was the boogeyman. They were on the left side. Murtha was calling troops murderers for going across the objective and a guy picking up a gun and shooting at him and shooting him back. Remember that? He was a Marine. It was the first person that died. I didn't feel, I was like, he deserved it. He was a horrible human being. But they all started using it. Then we went to Kerry, the war protester. And the media was all behind him and he was saluting. But he threw his awards out. He denounced his time as a swift boater. 
I remember it all. I remember coming back on a break from Fort, or Fort Irwin and registering in 2004 and registering Republican, even though I wasn't because I couldn't believe the Democrats wouldn't even finance a war and they kept on saying he died, uh, he lied, people died and all the turn and then we're using it. And then the country elects a war protester, a black guy, just because he's black. And it all goes to shit. He puts the fucking military on lock. Rules of engagement so stringent, more of them start dying. He's nuking whole villages. Nobody's talking about it. And son of a bitch if it isn't just repeated. Trump. Wasn't going to get elected, got elected. Media just go all in to fucking ruin him just like they went to ruin Bush. So we're here in this state where they're the fascists, but they're supported by a media who hates with passion the opposite side. And we literally, through all this time, end up with a fucking president... We went from that to handing it all back to him calling us the terrorist. That's where we've gone in 22 years. That's where we've gone. This guy was one of the key reasons why we went into Iraq. This guy is the key reason why we had black people in bondage he put them in chains he passed the legislation that made minor possessions and three strikes and all this shit it was all him but do you think the media said it no did the media say anything about this no did the media ever remember this today no unequivocally no No. History repeats. But to be sitting here, we handed it all back. We gave it all up. And for him, this month, to call us the terrorist. That's unbelievable. You know, there's two moments that sometimes I wish it would have gone differently. I wish George Bush wouldn't have gotten the election in 2000 because maybe we wouldn't got so ugly and our media would have stayed unbiased. And sometimes I really wish Trump never would have got elected. He was a good president. I don't think he wasn't. I think he was a jackass and he did terrible tweets, but his policies were sound. We did have prosperity. The economy was booming until COVID ruined it. But the institutions, if there's no Bush, there's no Gore, or there's Gore, but then there's no Obama, who then turned all our institutions to woke, and they spend more time worrying about what, how many black vaginas or dicks that say they're vaginas 
they have on their cabinets. Maybe it would be better. There would have been no Trump. There probably wouldn't have been no Iraq war, but that probably would eventually have happened. I don't know. All I know, it's just really hard for a person who's sitting in the room that has so many memories of September 11th and how September 11th changed my life. There was an article in the Federalist about those who sacrificed. And on this day, most did not. Once again, if you didn't have a family member or you didn't serve or you didn't have somebody die in the World Trade Center, September 11th meant nothing to you. It just inconvenienced you when you went to the airport. That's what it was. But if you had one of those, it altered your life forever. It altered my kids. It altered my wife. It altered me. I ended up staying away for four fucking years. And nobody cares today. I saw nothing. It's like we did our thing last year. It's over. It's not like Pearl Harbor. It's not that big of a deal. But this man... Who allowed this, who was part of the apparatus that allowed this to happen. We didn't do anything about it. There weren't Republicans in charge. There were Democrats. We've sat here and gone through so many fucking little things where it's Bush's fault because he's in a classroom and Bush lied, people died, and he had a report and he should have done some all that crap. No. No. We had eight years of Bill Clinton. And now we have eight years of Barack Obama. Bill Clinton allowed us to get a fucking huge terrorist group to be what they were, to be able to attack the World Trade Center twice. And nobody did anything. And Barack Hussein Obama has ruined every institution there is. The American people don't trust the FBI, the DOJ. He laid the groundwork for Deep Fund. He laid the groundwork for all this fucking reform of the criminal justice system that allows people to go through a turnstile and go back and murder people. But they're still the victim, not their victims. They're the victim. It's hard as a person who's not a Republican to stare at that and not go, there's grave consequences to normal Americans every time we have a Democratic president. And the media and the left will say there's grave consequences to blacks, Latinos, pygmy transvestites when there's a Republican, but there's not. No laws are changed. The only thing Trump did was rescinded the transgender because... It doesn't work. 
It just doesn't work in the military. Period. Not the gays, just the transgenders. The gay was stupid. There were gay guys there. Talked about it on the show. My machine gunner was a fucking fag, but I didn't care. That motherfucker was a badass and he killed people. Didn't care if he sucked dick. I don't care. But you can't have a girl who thinks he's a guy or a guy think a girl and be able to go in the green machine. You can't. If you don't know who the fuck you are, you can't be a soldier. Because you must be stripped to us, not you. And you can't do that when you're just tied up in agenda. You can't. But nothing changes for them. But we change exponentially every fucking time. We have Democrat presidents. And now we have a president who has lied, is linked to China, has fucking proof of it, and we're doing nothing with the Department of Justice, and wields the Department of Justice, the IRS, and every institution against their enemies, and just stood on a stage after allowing the very terrorist who harbored the terrorist who did 9-11, he just handed it all back to him and then calls us the terrorist. That's what I think about on this day. We gave it all back. We abdicated our position in the world, and now we have a Dep- Department of Defense is more worried about social media policies and saying make America great is evil, but not the world powers that are still out there. They're still ISIL. They're still ISIS. They're still fucking Al-Qaeda, folks. They're still there. And we have an administration that opened up the border, so they're here. And eventually we'll have another attack on our soil because we opened up the border and let people in. If you've caught 5 to 10 to 12, that means there's 12 still out there. Maybe 24. We don't even know what we're not catching. So basically 9-11 wasn't a lesson to learn. We've forgotten it 21 years later. And now we're just worried about dumb shit. It goes back to... The beginning of this show. We're losing our three-eyed ravens. We're losing people that have lived through really hard times. Because we have leaders that make hard times. Who make the economy bad and blame their adversaries and the media lets them. Who fucking is opening the border to make it all worse. Who's making crime worse who labels his fellow citizens the enemy, not the enemies. Those people who are making problems can't handle the big problems when they happen. And somehow, some way, us, the normal Americans, we need to start going back to hiring people that can get the job done. Not an agenda done. You can't say Trump wasn't hired for the agenda. We all hired him for the agenda. We had a president who all he cared about was the world, the League of Nations. He didn't care about America. He hated America. His wife hated America until he got elected. 
That's who we hired. And now we hired somebody who doesn't even have an opinion because he's got oatmeal for brains and he just gets fed cue cards from crazy shit. We need to unfuck this in two years. Because hard times are coming. Not manufactured ones. Real ones. And unless we want to relive 9-11, unless we want to relive what we're going through now, we need to get somebody to stop the insanity. We need somebody to clear out those institutions and get people in there for NASA who really want to care about space, not Muslims like they were under Obama, now equity. A Department of Defense that's only caring about China and Russia and ISIL. Not crystal knock Nazis who went to a protest. Not going in the Capitol, just went to a protest. That's what he said. We need a Treasury Secretary that's not worrying about fucking climate change. A non sequitur. That's what we need. We need serious people for serious issues. We, the electorate, need to start fucking rejecting this tomfoolery. That's even for the left. You didn't want fucking Biden. You just knew Bernie couldn't get elected. And really look at yourself. You talked about Trump. You elected somebody worse. Because every norm you let happen with your president is coming back at you with the next president. We have this terrible thing as Americans. We only care about shit when it lands on our doorstep. It's going to land on your doorstep. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com to find this in all episodes. Disconnect from your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. We're going to go with the Wednesday show. Um, was going to do that now, but I decided to crank one out. It's a little bit shorter, which is probably better. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.